Can brick and mortar businesses be good content marketers? This is Digital Marketing Radio episode 103. DigitalMarketingRadio.com I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio, weekly interviews with digital marketing experts. Find out all our previous episodes at DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain I'm joined today by Mark Asquith. Mark, good for you to join me. Oh, it's a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It really is. Well, yeah, thanks a lot for, for coming here. Well, um, Mark uh, is the owner and um, founder of the digital and design agency DMSQD, and he's also the founder and host of the Excellent Expected podcast. So you can find him over either dmsqd.com or excellence-expected.com. Uh, so, Mark, that's two different hats you've got going on there. And uh, what, one thing that maybe traditional business owners don't do that well is things like content marketing. Um, so how do you actually find the time to do a podcast two episodes a week and also run an agency on a full-time basis as well? Well, that's an interesting question. <laughs> it's certainly a challenge. Um, I think that the, the thing that I've really found is that you've got to have a really solid system in place. I think that's where a lot of people regardless of what kind of marketing it is, I think that's where a lot of people tend to really struggle, David. So they don't really focus on the systems that they put in place to create that kind of content or do any kind of marketing work. They just kind of try and fit it in with everything. So with the podcast, it's very much about, okay, what's the format? What's the system that I need to get in place to be able to do that without compromising any content and the quality and so on? So that's what I try and focus on is just making sure that there's a really solid system in place and that the guests are really at ease, they're really comfortable, they know the topic. Um, And it's really then it's about just making sure that I'm really 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 solid with my time things aren't creeping in if i'm if i'm editing or if i'm writing show notes or if i'm publishing content that's what i'm doing you know the bricks and mortar agency can't factor into that for that 90 minutes that i'm doing it on a thursday morning for example um so it's it is about discipline and and it's not i mean it's not as hard as it sounds it just does require a little bit of planning really so you mentioned editing there does that mean that you edit your own episodes as well Absolutely. Now that sounds quite grandiose, but actually the format is really easy. I've got an intro and an outro um, and I do very little post-production work because the interview format, the flow, it it had to be really simple and really effective for it to work. So I'd set that up right from day one to be really define, challenge, conquer the problem. And that's that's the flow. So it, it does flow quite nicely. It's not as it's not as grand as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you're obviously interviewing people, you're setting up interviews, um, doing the podcast, recording, um, doing editing, and then then getting it out there. So so two episodes a week, how, how many hours per week would you say on average that takes? Okay, yeah, that's a great question, actually. Um, all in, it probably takes, I bet it doesn't take much more than three as oh, crazy wow. as that okay. might sound. Um, so I've got, I, I just started outsourcing my show notes, which is the big thing that I really struggled with, um, which was just writing some quality show notes because that's, th- that's the thing that's really time consuming. You have to, you have to, for me, you have to enjoy writing and I'm just, I just, that's not my strong point. Um, I just don't really enjoy doing it as much as I like talking. I hear um, you. <laughs> so I kind of, uh, I do the interviews. Uh, I've got a predefined interview format. So what I do is I've, I've got a booking link, much like yourself. And what I do is I send people the link, they book, and they give me all the info. So they give me the topic they want to talk about. 
they give me the three actionable tips they want to talk about and what they want to deliver at the end of the episode, the issue that they want to challenge, their biography, their picture. Um, so by the time I get that, I've actually got a real solid basis. So all I do is do a bit of research and then log on on a Monday evening, do the interview. It takes probably 45 minutes for each interview. Um, and then I've got a really nice solid Dropbox system set up. So the virtual assistant, Carrie, who does my show notes, uh, she dips in, she dips out when she's working and creates the show notes. And then on a Saturday morning, usually, um, my wife's usually working and I just nip in and I do the publishing inside WordPress and I you know, tag the MP3s, I get everything uploaded, get it all scheduled out. And then the only other cumbersome thing, which probably takes another 45 minutes, actually probably half hour now, is the social network scheduling. So just scheduling decent quality content posts out to the social network so it's not flooding it with with listen to my show listen to my show mm. it's it's really decent actionable stuff that we're putting out there so what i do for that is i pull out um i pull out about 10 quotes from any given episode and i use those as the tweets that go out on twitter and the posts on facebook and g plus um i mean the system took a while to refine but I've, i have got it down to about three hours probably a week that's brilliant. And uh, you're obviously big on, on Twitter and Facebook, um, but you're also into design. D does that mean that you also engage on Pinterest or Instagram as well? Do you know what, actually? No, I don't, which is really weird. Um, I own a design agency. I'm not a designer. I'm more sort of on the business side. And, you know, I, I sort of help solve problems for people, especially on the marketing side. And, you know, digital marketing and marketing generally is is, is my passion and what I like to do. Um, it just so happens that I own a design agency. Mm -hmm. And the design side I really, really love. But I'll be honest with you, David, I'm a terrible designer. <laughs> I, I, I really suck at that. Um so I rely a heck of a lot on things like Canva, um, and I, you know, I get a lot of design inspiration and a lot of design fluidity from places like Canva. But I don't do much on Pinterest, and it's something that people are telling me that I should do, and mm. I don't do much on Instagram. And I, I, for me, Instagram, I've been on there a long time, but it's always been personal stuff. Um, you'll see pictures of family and friends and comics, as weird as it sounds, on <laughs> Instagram. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to make that transition, but I don't think I've quite got there yet. I mean, I, I had an interview fairly recently with um, um, a, a chap called um, Kevin Perea, and um, he's um, um, from a, a company called Wet Shave Club. So it's a very much a, an off sh offline type of business, mm -hmm. but he's doing phenomenally well with Instagram and, and, and Pinterest. And it, it just goes to show you that um, not just design agencies or artists can be successful using that type of social network um any type of business if you if you think about it um uh, a little bit to the side and, and and don't just try and sell and um um build up an audience and really offer value it's it's incredible how many followers you can actually you can actually get oh exactly yeah i totally agree with that and if you look at something like kevin's brand he's got a very nice brand he's got a very nice website um, you know, he's put a lot of effort into creating that brand and that experience and that feel. And what he's done really well there is, is taking this online aspirational, experiential kind of uh, engagement that he's putting out there to people. And the, the entire experience that you get offline, you know, the things that you get through the post from Wet Shave Club, it continually transitions. You, you get that same experience. It's like the Apple experience. It's the same online as it is offline. Um, so yeah, people like Kevin are doing really, really well with that. And it is back down to that. One, the brand, but two, the vision that 
the people out there are actually they will engage with you at any level on any platform and any medium, just like they would face to face, you know? So it's, yeah, Kevin's doing great work over there. Really, really, really good work. So, um, I mean, back to your podcast, why did you actually choose two episodes per week? Because you could have gone one per week. Did you do any actually research with um, a potential audience beforehand? Or was that just the amount of episodes that you felt comfortable doing yourself? Well, there was a, a few different reasons, actually. So I, I did start out as a, a single episode per week on a Monday morning. Uh, here in the UK, so it publishes at 7am uh, on a Monday morning originally. There was a couple of things that, that that kicked in for me to change that. The first one was I wanted to do more for the audience. I felt like I kind of owed them a little bit more because they were very supportive and I felt like the lifespan of a podcast probably didn't really work out too well for me uh, one a week. The second thing was that I, this is a logistical thing, I got a lot of interest from guests um, really, really early on. And it meant that when we first started recording, some of the early episodes weren't getting published for months and months and months. And I thought that wasn't that just wasn't very fair on the guest. Right. Um, so I increased the, 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 the frequency just on that basis. And then the other thing is I just felt like I wanted to put more content out. I wanted to build the network. I wanted to build... Um, the relationships with the listeners and so on and so forth and i thought well if i fall into that category of one per week i do kind of run the risk of falling in with a lot of other different people but i, I don't want to be the entrepreneur on fire carbon coffee <laughs> i don't want to be the seven day a week so what's the middle ground and i settled on i settled on the, the the twice per week the monday and thursday um which seems to fall in line with certain itunes algorithms from what i can tell from research with the rankings mm. um but that that that's pure speculation uh, well i mean so certainly what i see with my downloads myself is that um you get quite a few downloads for the first um, two or three days um, and then they taper off a little bit so uh, having two episodes per week i suppose would take advantage of that natural ebb and flow of downloads yeah definitely and i, I thought to myself as well that you know, I'd, I'd kept the shows at around 30 minutes, just like yours, David. And what I, I like that idea because it kind of falls into the commuting range. You know, people that are driving to work, you know, theoretically average kind of commute is probably around half an hour. And I thought, I'm only getting people once a week if I do that. And it's, it seems like a missed opportunity because the systems are in place for the podcast to be published relatively easily from a technical perspective. Mm it's probably only an extra 15% work to put a second show out every week. It's not double the work, if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the, the only concern that I've got about um, going two times per week is that, um, is that what my target audience really yeah. want? Because, I mean, the, the listeners of Digital Marketing Radio tend to be people who have, have got a business and they, they, they want to, to grow it. So you know, they're busy focusing on their business and doing other things. And um, I was doing quite a few more episodes per week at one stage at the beginning. And um, the feedback I got uh, was that people were picking and choosing episodes to um, to actually listen to. Um, right. And it's th th that's not necessarily a good thing. And pe people could be missing out on some kind of key point there. So maybe um, the better thing for me to do, I'm thinking, is if I wanted to do more episodes, then perhaps actually start another brand and do something uh, quite a bit different and, and, and keep this one one per week. It's a great point, that. And it, it's something that I'd considered, um, well, 
how to articulate this. I'd kind of worried the same sort of thing, um, and I didn't really know what the answer was. You know, just like you suggested, what do you do? Do you like, for example, the first time I tried doing twice a week, I actually had a um, a second. It wasn't a second show. It was on the same feed, but it was commentary on the previous episode. So on a Monday, we'd publish an episode, an interview, and on the Thursday, we got a show called Resources and Reflections, which was uh, we let's say I'd interviewed you, David. We'd spoken about digital marketing. The, the episode on the third day would be 15 minutes of me reflecting and delivering even more action and pointing out extra resources and reflections from myself and from the industry on what we'd spoken about, which was great, but it required a lot of research. And, you know, so I sort of headed down that sub-branded route myself. Um, the reason that I stopped doing that was that I considered how people probably listen. If Like if we are first-time listeners to each other's shows, would we dig in and listen chronologically or would we just quickly scroll down and say, actually, that seems quite interesting. I'll just jump in at episode 73 and it's a really random choice. You know, it's not, is it a chronological thing? And I genuinely don't know the answer to that. It's an experiment that I'm running myself. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted on that one. <laughs> I think it's a very interesting question. I, I, I don't even know if there is a right answer to it. No, it's interesting. I, mean, I don't know the right answer myself. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, it's, it's more of a discussion point rather than a question, is, I suppose. Absolutely. Um, so what about traditional business owners? Because, I mean, we both come from quite a digital background, so you can understand why we would be more passionate about producing content and, and publishing a pon- podcast on a regular basis. Do you think it's reasonable to perhaps expect traditional, very traditional businesses, um, plumbers, dentists, to be recording a podcast? Um, or should they be focusing on some other forms of content marketing, do you think? I think it's different strokes for different folks is the easy answer. Um, but I think everyone's got something that's in there that they can take out and they can package up and they can give to people. And it's however they want to package that up. But I think the audio side for me is always very interesting because it's a passive way of consuming the content. So if you are a plumber and you are thinking to yourself, well, look, I need, I know I need to do some kind of content marketing. I know I need to do some kind of extra curricular marketing if you like i'm tired of local seo i'm tired of local pay-per-click twitter well you know i'm struggling a little bit with that and facebook is facebook what else can i do everything else that you could do if you create a blog if you create a youtube channel you are asking people to take this attention from there and place it there with you which is fine but you'd need to really produce compelling content and Mm. if you're a plumber or if you're a bricks and mortar business that becomes something else that you've got to do and there's no guarantee that you'll drag people into splitting their attention and looking at you when they could be looking at something else for me the really interesting thing with audio is that it can be consumed anywhere so yes you'd still have to do the same kind of work you'd have to put the the same amount of effort into producing it but actually there are more options for the listener for the consumer you know they can listen to it at their leisure they can listen to it while they're walking the dog at the gym in the car commuting Um, And I think that's the interesting thing with audio. I think the bricks and mortar businesses, I think they can certainly benefit from doing this kind of thing. And the people who adopt this kind of thing pretty early in those kind of industries are going to be way out there in front. So actually, a podcasting plumber, how many of those are there? I'm not not actually sure about that. Um, But certainly... I would look to this kind of content for tips and for advice and 
you know, seasonal trends and so on and so forth in any given industry. So I think it can benefit anyone, but you've just got to have that voice. You've just got to find your own flow and try and get yourself into the mix a little bit. But I love the fact that audio is passive. You can just, you can consume it where you want whilst doing something else, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's um, segue into the second section of our discussion. So that focuses more on your thoughts on where digital marketing in general has been and, and where it's heading. So starting off with? Software I couldn't live without. So what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? <laughs> There's so much. Everything from the standard Google Analytics, you know, right through to... I'm a big advocate of the the new service called Hotjar, which is... Sure. Um, it's you, you you probably know it by the sounds of it. Yeah, I use it. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? It's, oh, it's absolutely. Really, really... Yeah, and, and it's incredible that um you get so much for free as well. You know the the the, <laughs> the video recordings, the, the the heat maps. It's it's amazing. It's ridiculously good software, isn't it? So I'm a huge fan of that. But the things that we run the business on, um, you know, that the, there are things in terms of content marketing. You know, ideas generation is everything. So for me, it's things like Evernote. Just being able to dump down anything in Evernote at any point on my iOS device, whether it's an iPhone or an iPad or whatever that might be, just being able to quickly sketch some notes out and get some ideas there. Um, and then what I also like to do, the thing that I couldn't live without is because of the traveling that I do, I'm sort of on trains and, and so on and so forth, working at different places, just everything flows entirely through Dropbox. So I sketch things out on an iPad throw them up to Dropbox um, and it's just, you know, it's really fundamental rudimentary software. It's really obvious stuff, but that powers everything that I do. Evernote and Dropbox are just, they run the business pretty much. So here's a slightly more challenging question. <laughs> uh, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intended to try at some point in the near future? There's actually quite a few of those, but the one that I'm, I'm looking at, and I don't even know how to say this. This is, I apologize to anyone listening. I think it's Cypher, which is C-Y-F-E. Uh, and it was a guy, a, word, a real good, solid WordPress expert that I did some work with on the WordPress Summit, online WordPress Summit called Jan Koch, who got me onto this. Um, and it's a way of pulling in all of your different dashboards from all sorts of different places. Um, so Cypher, uh, C-Y-F-E.com. Uh, it looks it looks fantastic, and I've signed up for it, but I've not got there yet. And the second thing, um, and this is because I'm a bit tight, is the second thing I've not used yet is Meet Edgar, which is yeah. the new social uh, platform. Well, sorry, the new social software to help scheduling and so on. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Have you used that? Have I haven't it? used it, but I, I've looked into it quite a bit, and I tend to use it myself uh, because the way that you can just load content in there and it just automatically posts um, great content that you have produced in the past because um, most software like Buffer app or something like that, you just have to keep on loading it in there and scheduling. But um, I haven't come across another piece of um, a piece of software like Meet Edgar where you can actually load content in and it will automatically distribute that on an ongoing basis. I agree, and that, that's the thing that got me, because I'm, I'm the same as you, I use Buffer. Um, and, you know, it's fantastic software, especially if you want to be a curator, you use their daily app and you just line things up in your queue. But if you want to promote your own content, that can be really cumbersome. You know, I agree. So, yeah, Edgar, Edgar and Cypher, I think. Okay, well, I'll um, delve through all the, uh, the software tools that you mentioned there, and I'll include uh, links to them on uh, digitalmarketingradio.com in the show notes. But moving on to... I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? 
Ah, I wish I would have had patience. Um, the When I was kind of started getting into digital marketing at the time that people were really starting to kick off about search optimization, um, you know, in, in the days when it could really, really be strongly manipulated with mm. not too much effort. Um, and I kind of wish I'd just had the patience to persist and do more quality SEO in the early days for some of the old business work that I was doing. Um, just because I feel... I feel that the the honest core of SEO has not changed over the last ten years. I think the the true core of it, creating decent stuff and letting people link to it, I don't think that's changed. But I think I focus too much on um, way too overthought keyword strategies and overstuffing content and bloody hell, like filling my alt tags and my title tags on my images with keyword. And you know, it was just all this kind of dodgy yeah. tactical stuff. So I wish I'd have had the patience and gone for gone for the content strategies that are now commonplace which i knew in my gut were right exactly i wish yeah. i just had the patience to do it no i was just going to say you know we, we i completely agree with you and actually uh, almost used that phrase before you did and said you know we knew back then in our heart that that was the right thing to do but the unfortunate thing was that it was so easy to rank thin pages with, with not much content on there so easily in Google and bringing in a lot of traffic to search engines. So it was hard to justify doing things in a, in a, a better manner for users. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's been the big shift and just, you know, making things right for users. And I just, I, I, that turns my patience thing on its head. I wish I'd have done that from day one, you know. The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. So 10 quick questions. Just two rules here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So ready to go? <laughs> Let's do it. Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Audio. Affiliates or display advertising? Ooh, affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online price releases or one-on-one -on -one relations? One-on-one -on -one relations. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Ooh, both. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscri subscriber? Email. And local marketing or global marketing? Local. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it still wasn't a both. Most people end up saving the, uh, the both for last. So I was, I was intrigued that you used it on email contact form or telephone number. So what, why was that a both? That is an interesting one. Um, I've got a, a, another another online service that I'm currently launching at the minute, and um, we are experimenting with both, and it's increased the engagement significantly. Um, so this is that's probably a reaction to that. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, have you tested a service that um, offers click-to-call and um, uh, different telephone numbers to actually track users at all? Or are you just talking about using the same telephone number? It's purely one telephone number. It's a very, very small setup at the minute, a very, very small service. Um, so, yeah, just one telephone number at the minute. But I do, we intend on, as we as we build it out there, having different click-to-call numbers for different landing pages. Um, but it is, it's really in its infancy at the minute. The $10,000 question. So if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Hmm, it's a great question, actually. I would probably, I do. I need to do something with people. I'd need to get people in a room and I would probably 
put on some kind of excellence expected conference, excellence expected live, um, and get the people in the room that wanted to learn and build up those one-to-one connections. So it would probably be placed in some kind of event where people could come and they could learn, you know, nothing really in it for me apart from the connections um, and, and, and really do it well, you know, do something well, get some good quality speakers, get some really topical, really relevant challenges and help people overcome those and just get people in the room that want to learn. And I think if you could give people that kind of value, that's probably that's probably the best marketing you can do, to be honest. Great advice, yeah. And I've listened to a few um, of your excellence expected um, podcast episodes and uh, they are indeed very excellent. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you don't mention your agency, uh, I don't think, at all in there at all. Um, do you actually try and just treat that as two different businesses? Is it, what's your main drive, your main call to action or your main purpose behind excellence expected? It's really to help small business. And the reason that I don't mention it, I do mention it if it comes up naturally in conversation. So I was, we spoke to Rand Fishkin about SEO and I was, I was very, you know, very much, okay, yes, in the agency we do this, in the mm. agency we've seen this and we've seen these symptoms and so on. Um, so I put it in there when it flows naturally. There, there, there are two reasons that I don't mention it really forwardly. Uh, the first one is I don't want it to sound like advertising for DMSQD, um, which would be really easy to do. And the second thing is that, Frequently, we we interview people that are in what would be seen as competing businesses. So right. we've got other designers, we've got SEO consultants, we've got marketing people on there. Um, so I, I didn't want it to feel as if there was any kind of animosity. There. I wanted them to be able to come on and feel comfortable. And it's, it's, it's by small business for small business. It's not by an agency owner uh, for small business. So that, that's the reason, really. My number one takeaway. Well, Mark, you've offered a a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? You've got to think about the customers. Think about the users. Just give them something that's high quality. Give them something that's got a lot of value. Give them over and above what they expect, no matter what that is, whether it's content, whether it's pricing strategy, whether it's service, whatever that is, but specifically in digital marketing got to get into their mindset and that no matter what the tactic is no matter what the strategy is if you can do that then you'll have much more success okay a great um great ending thought there to really uh, think about your buyer persona is that is that something you try and um establish as well Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's so important, even if you, you know, whether you're creating a a digital campaign, whether you're creating uh, even a website or an app, you've got to get into the minds of the people and create as many personas as are logically possible. Don't be scared of creating 10 or 15 different personas if you're running a big old campaign, because those people will exist. Um, So but the, the general rule of thumb that I always say with personas is if there's a distinct difference, point of differentiation between one person and another, then create a brand new persona for it. Um, even if it feels like you've got too many, you, you, you probably haven't. You probably haven't. Interesting. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice there. So um, what's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Well, thanks for asking, David. And it's been, it has been a pleasure joining you. Thank you so much for, uh, for hosting me. And if anyone watching, anyone listening out there wants to get involved, you can head over to dmsqd.com or excellence-expected.com. And I'm also on Twitter at Mr. Asquith. Superb stuff, and I'll link to that from the the show notes as well. Great. Well, thanks again, Mark. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure all mine. 
I will see you next time too. Bye for now.